Welcome back to Following Know It On, a Stormlight podcast. This week is episode 86, and we are doing interludes before part five of Oathbringer. Our content this week isn't super involved. We've got a couple questions and a couple couple interesting things happening, but take this as your calm before the the literal storm that we know is approaching from the end of the end of part four. So uh Paul, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh well, really glad to at least be getting into part five, sort of. We're doing the interludes. I always love interludes. This may be the most excited I've been to be past interludes. So I can start reading part five. So that's fair. Elliot? I hear you, Paul. I hear you for sure. If if I'm being honest, I'm feeling a little under the, the weather tonight, but the, the beauty of technology is I can quarantine and still record with you guys. So I'm excited to talk about these chapters. They were pretty fun. Sounds sounds good. Can I get two words to summarize this episode, uh, Paul? Uh, or let's back up. Who's on your mug? Oh, mug. Mug of the week. All right. So we're actually making a little full circle moment. And... I don't know how dramatic I should do this. Uh, and we're going back to our first supporter. Comment down, but we'll pause the video here and see if you can remember who the first supporter was. And it is, or, yeah, uh, it's in. Sorry if I once again if I say your name wrong, Ingun, Ingun. I I struggle to get the uh, the lighting off the mug, but Ingun has been supporting us for months now, and we really really appreciate the support. Uh, this mug is. From The Office, the TV show The Office, over here it has assistant to the regional manager. So if you're an Office fan, I am an Office fan. Um, so, yes. Thank, Thank you, you again. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Now two words to summarize this episode. Paul. My two words over our interludes here are neglect and hungry. Okay. Neglect and hungry. And Elliot. So my first word is stories, which I want to talk about. And there's a specific quote I want to read. And my second word is, well, actually, I couldn't come up with a second word. There wasn't, there were only three chapters and they were pretty short. So I couldn't come up with two. So Trevor, you want to fill in with another word for us? Yes. Yes, I can. My, I'll substitute your second word with Void light? Mm. Question mark? Okay. With those four words in mind, let's talk about Oathbringer. All right. My two words... First of which is neglect, and that is a reference to Teft and our, our Teft interlude here. I don't think we've really had... We've had one Teft POV before, I think. Just one. But anyways, we see him and his Spren, who I am fully assuming is a Windrunner Spren. And it just seems to be a very broken relationship of him neglecting his Spren. So... That was 
that word. My second word is hungry, and that is for our little cheery cheery, who seems very very hungry for some stormlight. So that's fun. We will be talking more about cheery cheery here in a little bit. So I'm glad you brought brought her up, uh, Elliot. What's your what's your word about? So I picked stories for a a one-liner quote that honestly doesn't have much to do with anything that's in the rest of these interludes, but it's, it's kind of a a good little quotable tweetable kind of, kind of quote. I'll go ahead and read it. One can believe in a story without believing it happened. And I want to talk a little bit more when we get to that, that section, but I just, I latched onto that quote and I was like, Hmm, that's really good. Yeah. I also enjoy that. I also enjoy the context of that quote, which we'll talk a little bit more about. And mine, my word is void light. And I don't know if you guys caught it. I'm going to bet Elliot did. But there is a mention of the word void light in interlude 13. And if it's not the first mention we've had of this word, it's going to be the second. There might have been one other mention of this word before, but I do want to highlight this word because it's kind of important. I did notice it for sure. I'd be willing to bet that that Paul caught it as well because we've we've mentioned it before briefly because we've tied it to our our one little nugget we've been hanging on to since the very 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 beginning the the dark sphere from the from the prologue of Way of Kings and we we've tied together the the dark light in the comparison to that and so I did key into that and do want to still learn more about whatever the heck void light is. Yeah, I, I believe we had a mention of it before. And yeah, because we've used that term, and so I'm just assuming it's been mentioned. So, All right. Let's back up to interlude 12 and talk about Venli. She gives her her standard speech, which we've seen up until in her interludes up until this point. She's being used kind of as a a public figure to the singers by the fused she's being paraded around roshar and she gives her speech of don't just be listeners be singers go fight the humans and go take back roshar and she is giving this speech to the thalen singers who have been recently revived by the everstorm and They are clearly, it, it's clearly a seafaring singer group because they're from Thalen City. They, they're they used to sailing and then they stole Thalen City's fleet and they're using the Everstorm to sail really quickly and attack Thalen City. So what you guys get from this this interlude? I'll, I'll be honest, not much <laughs> at all, really. It was a very interesting interlude. I, I enjoyed it. Getting getting to see more of Venli is is always interesting to me, specifically because we know she's the the primary character of the next one. So I'm always you know attentive when I see Venli perspective coming around. So I'm I'm enjoying seeing her side of the story and trying to piece things together. But as far as like bits of information that were super relevant, I didn't really notice any. I'm sure there were some for the rereaders, but I didn't notice any. Yeah, I was going to say similarly. Um, I didn't feel like I, I picked up anything super groundbreaking in this. Um, 
most things we've seen with Finley recently have been pretty interesting and kind of starting to ramp up that storyline for the next book, but I didn't gain too much. Um, that, And that's totally fine. And the only question that I want you guys to think about coming out of this interlude, and we've, we've seen this before, but why do the fused not trust Venli around the other singers? Is, it's an, does it, my guess is, I don't actually know, but my best guess is that it has to do with like the singer versus listener like dynamic, that she's like a listener and they're different or something, but I don't know. My my guess is that it might have to do with the fact that the the Parshendi that Venley comes from, that group of people, they were all right, help me Trevor if I make if I say something wrong here. Yeah. They were all sacrificed, basically, in order to bring these fused into being. Yep. And my guess would be the fused they they know that and they don't want that to be a a secret that gets out that they completely wiped out this whole group of singers listeners whatever they were and so venley kind of holds a little bit of a secret that they would like to keep under wraps that's my guess yeah that's that's pretty much the gist of it that if keep in keep in mind 90 I'll just say it. All of the Parshendi are dead at this point. They were either killed by the Alethi or um, while summoning the Everstorm or the, the few that did survive, they were taken over by the Fused. They were the, they were the most like evolved um, singers at that point. And so the first Fused that came back took the listeners, took the Parshendi first. And she's the only one that survived. Do you guys remember that chapter where she re- uh, re- re- refused the fused that was trying to attack her and there was a voice that said no save this one I I have a different plan for this one do you guys remember that and her her once mate I don't remember his name he gets basically killed by a fused and t- his body's taken so that whole process hasn't been explicitly told to all of the you know, to all of these singers. So they're trying to keep that a secret. Anything else before interlude 13? All right. So there's a couple key things to take out of interlude 13, which we'll talk about here in a second. But uh, Rissin, who our Google Doc for our outline keeps autocorrecting to Ryan and I keep having to manually go back and put in Rissin, but Rissin is, she's had an interlude in both the way of Kings and words of radiance. She is our little adventurer who goes to the rushy isles, falls off of that big crab as big as an Island thing and is paralyzed. Do you guys remember her? Yes. She's probably, from what I can remember, I feel like she's been in more interludes than anyone else. Maybe barring Zeth. Yeah, barring Zeth or Teravangian, maybe. 
But uh, as she leaves the Reshi Isles, she's paralyzed, but she's gifted Cheery Cheery. That happened at the end of her Words of Radiance interlude. And we pick up with her, and she has a job in Thalen City, which, if you reference your map, Elliot, that's like the complete opposite side of Roshar, uh, Thalen City, and the Reshi Isles. So she's she is well-traveled, and that's kind of part of her thing is she's... She was a tradesman. She went sailing all over Roshar, trading exotic things from place to place. That's what she enjoys doing. So she has a, a sit-down job with Thalen, with Queen Fen, and that's where we pick up with her. What are you guys' thoughts on, on Rissen? I've actually become rather intrigued with Rissen. The, the first interlude we had with her, I was kind of like, eh, boring. But then the second one was interesting. And then this one has me even more intrigued now, just with her character of this, you know, wandering, meandering soul who's now confined to the wheelchair and, you know, is stuck at a desk job when she really desperately wants to travel the world. Like, we need a novella on this character now at this point. Like, get on that, Brandon Sanderson. We need, we, I, I need more from this character. All right. Uh, I have to say it since you said that. Guess who the point of view of Don Shard is? Oh, please. It's Rissen. Yes. Okay. You're you're forgiven, Brandon. You are already a step ahead of me. It's coming it's coming quick. So wow. your your wish has been retro retroactively granted. He has a novella waiting for you after Oathbringer. Oh, now I'm excited. I knew they'd do something, like, given these interludes, I knew they'd do something big with her, but I'm actually surprised a little bit. I was surprised as well. They didn't release that Don Shard would be, or maybe they did, but I didn't know, that Don Shard would be Rissens until I literally started reading it. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. So, yeah. The, her, her little pet, Larkin, is what cheery cheery is called what are you guys' thoughts on cheery cheery there's a couple specific interactions she cheery cheery has in this interlude did you guys pick up on them specifically with stormlight well she or i'm assuming it's a she she i know she she feeds off of stormlight where when when risen's old master whose name I can't really pronounce Vistim or something like that. Yeah. Just put an I between the V and the S and you've got his name Vistim. V Vistim. Okay. When that guy shows up, he brings like a, a gift of, of some stormlight for, for cheery cheery. So it's like a, you know, a little treat for a dog. Well, no, the cheery cheery feeds off of stormlight, which we've already seen prior to this interlude, the incredible power that can bring because I don't know if you guys, I'm sure you remember Trevor, but back many interludes ago, I think it was Nail who wielded a Larkin when he brought down Lift. Correct. Back in Azir, I want to say. That's where they were at in the time. Yep, this was this was an edge dancer, and he drains Lift's Stormlight with a Larkin. So we know they can be used as weapons defensively and offensively, really. And we see Risen do that at the end of this interlude. So if you if you've got, you know, 
a rate, a night radiant, a surge binder coming after you, it's very useful to have a Larkin to suck up all their power, which apparently also works on void light, which is intriguing. I do want to hop on that real quick and I'll let you talk here in a second, Paul, but we get confirmation in this interlude that there is a light weaving equivalent of a fused. So we can't, you can kind of pretty much guess that, you know, there's Windrunner's equivalents, there, there must be a light weaving equivalent. But while we're in this vault, um, which we'll talk about the King's Drop here in a second of, and why they're, why they're after it, but one of the guards is a light weaving fused, and he's light weaved a human's face in, in front of his uh, carapace or whatever. And so we've got it confirmed that the term void light is used and he has similar powers to a light weaver. So we, some, that's something we need to look out for. So uh, are we done to confirm my thing that there's like an exact opposite of like the Knights Radiant? There's like the inverse orders or whatever. Instead of light weaver, it's light unraveler, you know? Like, <laughs> Light, um, light string puller. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Wind runner. It's like, I don't know. Wind jaywalker. I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, this was really cool to see. Like, I, I was a little surprised. Um, but that was really awesome. Uh, I didn't pick up that Cherry Cherry could suck in void lights, though. Is that just so, given because she did it from the fused? Right. So right at the end of the chapter, we've we've seen Cheery Cheery suck in the stormlight, which Vistim brings at the beginning of the chapter, and specifically for Cheery Cheery. And then Rissin is fighting the fused. Cheery Cheery attacks the fused, drains all of its void light, grows from it, and then. Rissen shoots the fused and it actually dies just be just from one crossbow bolt because it doesn't have any void light left and Chiri Chiri has drained all of the void light from it. So I was particularly curious about the growing thing because I was assuming that if if Chiri Chiri feeds off of Stormlight all the time then if Stormlight is what makes her grow, she'd have done that by now. Which it doesn't seem like she has. And so when she sucks in Void Light, that is the, the catalyst that makes her grow. Maybe that's what it seems like here. So that's... I wonder why. And never, I did not think about that. I was thinking of like, oh, maybe it was because it was a great amount or it's from a surge binder, right? It's from like a person. Um, and it also could be specifically because there's a spren attached to the void light she's sucking in because there's gem hearts for, for fused. And so there's a spren attached to it. If, if you're just doing, you know, stormlight in a sphere, there's no spren attachment there. So it's just raw stormlight instead of a killing a spren, if you will. It's 
it's going to be pretty terrifying or maybe super awesome if Chirichiri is able to grow to like, you know, full-size dragon. I picture dragon when I hear the descriptions of, of Larkin in my head. I don't know quite. Maybe that's necessarily oh, what it's supposed to look like. We were given a 100%. Yeah, it's a little dragon. Like It's, it, a, little it's a crab dragon. dragon. Crab dragon, right. Because yeah. it's got wings, right? It, it's right. Pred- predator with wing uh, dragon. I'll I'll put so, I'll put a here. I'll on screen right now is for our YouTube viewers, but here is a uh, some art for you. We're getting Larkin art. Whoa. Okay. I definitely have a whoa a little crab dragon. Yep. Totally. But I'm now envisioning, okay, if Chiri Chiri can feed off of Void Light and grow, what if, like, Chiri Chiri can, can like, grow indefinitely? Can we get, like, right. full size, you know? I'm thinking, like, Thunderclass size Chiri Chiri, like, have a big showdown between a, a, a dark Thunderclass and a, and a Chiri Chiri Larkin on the other side. That'd be pretty cool. Chasm fiend size cheery cheery. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking about that as well. And like, because we, we, we saw in the interlude before where she got cheery cheery that these are like insanely, <clears throat> like insanely rare. Like they don't exist. It's worth like fortunes, right? Like, like there, there's not even like evidence that there is another one, right? We've seen it with nail, but like, we've seen two. Other than this. Yeah, and we've, we've been, seen too. And we've been told like, they're extremely rare. Yeah, but like according to that, I, I think I, from what I remember from the interlude, it was like there's not really another one that we could even know of. Like there right. may be, there's probably is somewhere, but don't even know. Right. All right, let's talk about the king's drop. Have we heard reference to the king's drop? before this the king's drop did not ring a bell with me but anytime you ever ask a question like that i start to second guess myself what did ring a bell and i'm not i'm not 100 sure we've seen this before but it it seemed familiar was a reference to the stone of 10 dawns and maybe that's just kind of the the use of that phrase dawn in a variety of different things that we've seen so far like you know dawn chant and things like that but I noticed that for sure in relationship to the King's drop. All right. So. Yeah, I was just, I was just baiting you. We haven't heard the King's drop before this. (laughs) You would. I I was, I was going to say, you know, all right. Hello. Welcome to following know it on the show where I assume that every new item is a Dawn shard. So okay, <laughs> I still don't fully know what a dawn shard is, but I think this king's drop is a dawn shard, and my evidence for it is that they mentioned the stone of ten dawns, and I think they're correlated to dawn shards. So here we are. Um, thank you for watching, <laughs> for listening. Thank you for listening. I um, I appreciate that you're fully committing to this, even though you're likely going to learn a lot more about dawn shards in the novella dawn shard in not in the not too distant future that's probably true um but hear me out okay the good thing about this tangent i'm gonna be on for the next couple weeks of 
everything is a Dawn Shard, is that there are Dawn Shards, ambiguous plural number. So I could be like, that's a Dawn Shard. You know, you get a Dawn Shard. You get a Dawn Shard. You know, if you look like, under your seat, you will find Dawn <laughs> <laughs> Shard. Exactly. Um, so this and my biggest thought with it, aside from assuming it's a Dawn Shard, is. So it's described as like a, a ruby, right? Yes. Yeah, that's at least how I envisioned it. Uh, it's like a ruby gemstone. Like I basically think of it just like an almost a normal ruby sphere, but maybe nicer, bigger, bolder, more deep red. I don't know. Just a nicer version. It says something about it's alluded that it's like, oh, it's got a perfect flawless cut and whatever. But... I'm thinking of this almost like our dark sphere. Maybe this is our second of these rare, ambiguous dark spheres that we've seen. Maybe they're both Dawn Shards. Maybe there's ten of these spheres, and they're all Dawn Shards. It's the ten shards of Dawn. So. Okay. You know? It does reference that it has never lost its light. Until Cheery Cheery walks over and sucks all the light out. Oops. So <laughs> That awkward moment when... Yeah. So, we have had a reference to perfect gemstones in Shadesmar. Kaladin has seen one and showed a bunch of interest in one. It's like, yo, that'd be really important to know, because I, I kind of feed off Stormlight these days. So, if I could have something that would never drain, that'd be super good to, good to know. But this is the first mention we've had of one in Onroshar. I always envision shades more like under Roshar. That's not correct, but like that's always how I picture it in my head. Like it's the other side of the coin, you know. Whatever. Yeah, it's like the uh, uh, what's it called? If anyone has seen um, what is that show? A very Stranger Things. Show. Yes, Stranger Things. It's like that. I don't even remember the name for it anymore. I'm really lost for words right now. But it's the like inverse world. That's I think like they kind call of the same. It, I think they call it the upside down. At least yes, in the first season. Right. I've only seen the first season. That's right. It's the upside down. It's it's like always referred to as that. And it's like I've thought of that too. Yeah, it's like the same place but different. So yeah, I, I think of it not like that, but yep. I do think of it as like, oh, you slip through the ground and you're in shades yeah. more. <laughs> like, yeah. All right couple couple more things before we move on from this interlude there's an offhand comment of Rissen not being able to be healed by Renarin did you guys catch that I did catch it and I wrote a question mark in my notes because that seemed a little odd to me she she talks about I can't be healed by that Radiant who heals people, which, yeah, I was guessing was a reference to Renarin, because we know that he's been doing that. And she talks about, oh, it's been too long since my, since my injury. But the comparison I thought of was, was Lopin. And maybe Lopin is a little bit different, and, and Trevor, maybe you can help us process it, but I didn't think that Lopin's loss of his arm was a recent thing. I didn't get that vibe from the chapters we read there and he completely regrows an entire limb using the power of stormlight now maybe that's different in that he's the one like lopin is the one with stormlight in him versus what 
Rissen is talking about is Renarin using his surge binding power to do the healing. Maybe that's enough of a difference, but the whole Stormlight can't heal me because it's been too long almost didn't fly with me. I was like, wait, we've seen Lopin do that. So I'm going to formally raffo you because Brandon Sanderson raffoed the same question at the same time. Hmm. So at the end, when, when Oathbringer was the latest thing, this que- this exact question was asked, and he said Raffo because Don Shard actually has two point of view characters, and the second one is Lopin. Ah, so really? really, wow. So we will be revisiting this shortly, but I will re- I I will say Raffo for now. Can I ask you a personal question, Trevor? Like your personal opinion? Yes. Where would you put like? I mean, it's you can't really compare it to the like main series books, I guess. But like, where would you put Don Shard in like? I don't know enjoyment level, like you know, like I thought Edge Dance was really good. I would rate it highly. It was fun. Like, what what's your opinion of Don Shard as a book? Uh, I've only read it once, and it I read it like overnight, and it's not short. It's a fairly long novella. It's like 60,000 words. So I, I I enjoyed it. Like it's it's really good, but I don't really remember it that well to be honest. <laughs> so fair. Uh-oh. We need to have trivia on that one. Maybe we'll have a chance. True. I'm down. Yeah. All right, anything else was, from was... Rissens Interlude? Go ahead, well, Paul. I was I was just curious to ask because like honestly, like me thinking about a book that's the point of view of Risen and Lopin doesn't get me very excited. But what? That yeah. just got me like triply excited for that. We get yeah. Risen, who <clears throat> I was just saying I'm getting excited about, and Lopin, who, while yes, he's a goofball and not my favorite character, I still would love to hear more about like his story. So man, I'm like jazz for for Donjard now. That's right. That's right. I, I'm really excited for Risen. I just haven't. I don't think in my head I've given Lopin that much depth of a character. Yeah. I'm like yeah. he's the comic relief guy, you know. Definitely. And so, um, but I'm I'm really curious to see. I'm really curious to see still. But I'm not like before. I was more like with Edge Dancer. I was like, oh, Lift. We've seen a bit of Lift, and you know, she's a search binder. I was really curious to see like what would happen. I guess, but. This, there's less pressing in my mind out of the gate. Right. Just one more thing coming out of this interlude. Rissen receives a deed of ownership, a deed of captainship to a ship that is pretty much across the world right now. But it is, she's been given a, a title to a ship titled The Wandersail by Vistim. He had a a ship made for her specifically, and it is waiting for her to to captain. And she says, "I I can't take this. This is a ridiculously big gift." And he says, "Just think about it." And that's how it's it's left off there. So I thought that was super cool. The description of that that ship seemed pretty pretty awesome. Isn't that the ship too that they they did talk about like? Stormlight stabilizers or or something like that. That's yes. Like, whoa, that sounds cool. I don't know what that is, but it sounds cool. It, yeah, it has 
has like new technology fabrial that if too much pressure is from a wave, it'll push against it with stormlight. So that's pretty cool. And and that's the conversation that led into the quote that I that I read earlier that I thought was so cool because Rissen is kind of making fun of him a little bit, like, oh, you just love the the classic stories, don't you? Right. And and Vistim responds with that that super cool line where he says, You don't have to believe that a story is real in to believe in that story. And I thought that was, you know, embroider that on a throw pillow and, and put it on your couch kind of thing, because that's it, that's that's how I read stories. That that's how I read a book, like the book we're reading right now. Do, do I think the events in this book happened in some alternate universe or, or in our universe? No, but I believe in a lot of the things that are happening in this story, and I can latch onto them and use them to shape who I am. And, and I know that's packing a lot into a tiny little quote that maybe that's not exactly what that quote is is supposed to be. But when I read that, that's totally where I went with it was I can actually relate with, believe in, and live by a story, even if that story isn't true. Yeah, I really enjoy that quote too, specifically because it's about the wander sale. But anyway, mm. or a the wander sale. <laughs> Anything else from this interview? All right, and to close our episode, we have a short-ish interlude, but it's certainly action-packed. Teft has just returned from Thalen City to Eurythiru through the Oathgate, and he's, you know, normal, depressed Teft self. And his spren, uh, Paul, you said this was one of your words, but his spren is there with him and saying, say the words, Teft, say the words. And... You know, he's having none of it. And then Bridge 4 gets attacked. Do you guys want to pick this up? I'll, I'll pick it up here. Um, first off, this is really short. Like, this interlude, I'm, I'm on the audiobook, and it was like four and a half minutes or something. Like, it was tiny. But there was, there was a good bit that happened. So, like Trevor said, we see... Teft Spren want like basically begging him to say the words. He's like, please say the words. Um and it gives some descriptors, right? It definitely seems like a honor spren like we've seen with Silfrena. Um and Teft is just completely blowing it off, like not having any of that. And then someone comes and kills one of the bridgemen right it was someone i didn't actually remember who it was like i didn't it was someone less notable in the bridge crew and it was the one who was at the time holding the honor blade so someone stole the honor blade and the 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 assassin thief was wearing a bridge for coat which was the like it was not just any coat, it was like a I don't remember the ranking they gave. Lieutenant. But basically it was Tef's yeah, it was Tef's coat because he was like a yeah, a lieutenant. Um and so he's knowing it's the coat he sold when he was on drugs, effectively, when he was 
uh, really down in the dump. So he was having a great bit of like internal remorse there with with that. Um, and yeah, so not not the best uh, moment for Bridge Four there. They lost an honor blade, which is a big deal. Dalinar gives him the honor blade to look after. Oops, we 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 lost it. Whoops, yeah. I gotta, I gotta say, I'm in no means defending Teft because he absolutely screwed up with the whole drugs thing and losing his coat and like the symbolism with losing his bridge four coat is is big as well. But we've just learned that the enemy has light weavers who can do illusions and disguises and things like that. So while from Tef's perspective, it seems like a logical conclusion that, oh, I lost my coat. Someone showed up in a bridge for a coat. It's probably mine. As a reader, I'm not sold on that. I, I'm, it seems very plausible that another fused could be doing the whole Lightweaver thing to create a bridge for a coat for themselves to get into their, their house. So I'm, Tef might be beating himself up a little too hard for this, potentially. I agree. That's that's fair that he may be beating himself up too hard for it. But I don't know why the fused what would the fused want with the honor blades? They have their own fused power, like that's just as good or better. Um maybe there's stuff we still don't know about their power, but it's I, it's... I don't think that would that's not where my mind went. For the... sure. I was trying to figure who it is, which I have no idea, but Ellie, do you have something to add? I was just going to say, I I think it might just be denying the asset to, you know, the good guys. Of Maybe the Fuse don't really need an Honor Blade. They've got lots of, apparently, these dark side Surge Binder folks. But taking away the Honor Blade is a big deal, right? Because if, if they know enough to know who had the Honor Blade... They know that Kaladin isn't at your Ethereum, and you're, you're effectively disarming your Windrunners from your Ethereum by right. taking the Honor Blade. Which, of note, how did they know who had the Honor Blade? That's an interesting question because we've been told before that they were bridge forward, being pretty smart about it, and they were passing it around. They were intentionally not, you know, Rock had it to start with, but then it sounds like almost everybody's had a turn wielding it. So whoever did this knew enough to get into Bridge 4, which we already know they're a fairly organized and suspicious bunch. That's not going to be easy to do. And they knew who to target and when to target them. They were able to target them when there was just, you know, two or three of them left in the barracks. So whoever did this had a lot of intel on Bridge 4. Yep. They did it while the majority of Bridge 4 were in Thalen City for the meeting, and they attacked Rock and... This sake and Eth is the one they kill. So would that mean that it has to be someone who like knows them well? I'm trying to think of any like people who are involved with Bridge Four that I would suspect. I would say Moash normally, but I don't think he's hanging around. You know, I don't think he could be that undercover. Keep in mind that Bridge Four are actively recruiting. Right now, they've included some of the... This is back from part two of Oathbringer when there's a lot of squires being recruited for Bridge 4. 
And so bridge four, you know, there's the inner like 20 guys or whatever from the, like the literal bridge four from the way of Kings, but it's more of a military company. Now it's more like a couple hundred now. So you, you wouldn't have to get too close to specifically Kaladin or rock or Teft to know this type of information, but you do have to be like in your ethereum to know that type of thing. It, it does start to make me think like inside job kind of thing. If someone had this much information, was it a member of bridge four right. did this, but the, perhaps the argument against that would be, we have it. I think two surviving rock and somebody else who survived this attack and haven't come out and said, Oh, it was so-and-so. Like, it's someone they didn't recognize. So, yeah. Anything else? Nothing here. I'm really excited to read part five. Just ready to get into part five? Ooh, yeah. No more, no more maybe, questions. Maybe we'll find out. Maybe we'll find out who this was. All right. With with that, we will close our fairly short interlude episode, but I've enjoyed it. Thank you for joining me, Paul and Elliot, and we will reconvene next week into part five. Laters. Peace out.